it's hard when you're like, but you did this and you one upped me and you have something on him, right? So, and that's where humility comes in very handy. That, that's what I mean. When I say humility, I don't mean, you know, go to Marshalls and Ross and, and don't spend so much money. I mean, put yourself in the other person's shoes, seek to understand and let the ego aside because the ego never has won the battle of relationships, right? Like it's never, it's never created fulfilling relationships. Are you ready to decide it's your turn to live your most purposeful, profitable, passionate life? I'm Christina LeCure, former professional golfer turned confidence and success coach. I truly believe every one of us was put here for a God-given purpose, and it is our responsibility to live that fully. For well over a decade now, I've been turning my life as well as countless others around from feeling unworthy, incompetent, and without a purpose to living a life I cannot wait to wake up for even on days when shit hits the fan. And it all started with a decision. Yeah, you heard that right. I said God and shit in the same sentence. So clearly this won't be your typical podcast, but what I can assure you is that each week myself and my guests are going to enlighten you, fire you up, and having you walk away with stories and strategies to not only boost your confidence, but give you hope that at any moment in time, you have the power to decide it's your turn. Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Decide It's Your Turn podcast. Today, I am having a returning guest. That is right. Dr. Betsy Guerra is back on the show. And today, we are going to talk about four tips to improve communication in relationships, specifically marriages. But Honestly, after today's episode, I know you guys are going to be able to take all of the things that Dr. Betsy has to say and use them in any and all of your relationships. Dr. Betsy is a clinical psychotherapist based out of Miami, and her website is betterwithbetsy.com because I know after today's episode, you are going to be Googling the heck out of her. You guys enjoy today's episode. Okay, y'all. So last time this amazing human being was on the show, I had so like I had chill bumps the whole entire time. And I know that you guys did as well. Dr. Betsy Guerra is back on the show. And last time she was on, we talked about how she uses faith, her acronym to overcome adversity and rise above the adversity in life. And today I told her last time we were recording, I was like, girl, I have to have you back. This is like one of the best conversations ever. And today we're actually going to talk about her first love, which is kind of funny that God brought in her second love, but her first love is you know, really talking about communication, talking about effective communication in relationships, everything really that there is to talk about in regards to relationships. And I know I get asked time and time and time again, how my husband and I have, you know, successfully, or most of the time, 80% of the time successfully navigated our relationship. And it's been a lot of work. Well, I'm not a guru. I only know what works for me. And I'm definitely not, you know, a a therapist. I'm not a, a, a licensed therapist in how to improve communication and relationships. I just know what's worked for us. So instead, I brought in the communication guru there is for relationships. Dr. Betsy is back and I am so thrilled to have you. Thank you for being here again. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yes, this is my first love. I am obsessed with relationships and marriages and fulfilling our our relationship because we we settle, we often settle and we we don't have to. We do not have to. And I believe that I always say that if God is in my life, then who can be against me? 
you know, that's what that's a scripture in the Bible. But my saying is, if God and my husband are with me, then who could be against me? Right. Like I, I am, I'm invincible. I feel invincible because I have that kind of relationship. And that's part of the reason why I have been able to rise up and heal in such a way, because I had my man by my side supporting me at all times. And that doesn't mean that we grieved the same way or that we thought the same things, but we were there with each other, holding space and being together and, and making this possible. And I, you know, we all know from research that when relationships, when couples go through, through the loss of a child, as, as we did, many times they don't make it because it's, it's hard. It's hard to pull through to, to, to rise up and to remember that your husband, your, your partner remains. And, and to, to honor that person that, that is here with you. But when your marriage is, is just, when you're rocking your marriage, you, you're invincible. Marriage is heaven or hell on earth, right? Like if, if, if you have a healthy, loving, nurturing relationship, you're the happiest person on earth. And if you don't, gosh, will that bring you down? Like everything could be going great for you, work, health, you know, your children, if you don't, if your marriage is not there, you, you're coming home to, to war, to, to the battlefield. And home is supposed to be your safe space. Home is supposed to be the place that you go to, to be, to be still, to be safe, to know that you're being taken care of. So marriage is everything to me. I, I always say God is my number one and my husband is a close second. I'm obsessed the guy. So I would love to just bottle that love and that fulfillment in, in a little bottle so that we can give it out to all the relationships and couples in the world. Oh, you guys. Okay, so we're going to dive right in. But if you guys didn't listen to Dr. Betsy on the very first podcast, it was episode number 68 of the podcast. So go back and listen to that. And you can hear, obviously, um, what she's talking about in the adversity that she's overcome in her life and how her marriage has come out, you know, on the other side, you guys are so thriving. So let's just dive right into it. Because I know that there's people listening to this podcast today going, oh, my gosh, what is she talking about? My marriage is nothing close to that. So today, we're going to give you all the tips on effective communication in a relationship. We're going to give you all the tips of how to actually get on the same page as your spouse. I mean, I a hundred percent agree with you. My marriage is God and my marriage are like, you know, one, two, it has to be. And it hasn't always been the easiest thing ever, but like, where does someone even start? Because I know there's a ton of people who are listening to this, who are married, who are going, I am on completely opposite pages of my husband. I am going one way. He is going in the other. We, you know, come together to basically separate every single day. So where do you even start if your marriage, like, let's say you're in the like middle of your marriage, you know, you've been married for, because most people listening to this podcast are probably, you know, been married for quite some time and they're both going in different ways. You know, self-development is, I definitely think self-development can, um, break a marriage apart in some regards because one person is growing and one person may not be or doesn't have the desire to be. So what happens if you're in a relationship right now where you're on one page and your spouse is on the complete other? Where do you even start, Becky? There, let me start by saying that sometimes we who are engaged in in personal development we suffer from a little bit of arrogance, you know, because we've come so far and we've, re- we've seen the light and we've realized 
oh my God, how ignorant was I that I didn't know all these things that I know now and I'm so much smarter and wiser than the rest of the world. And you people, when are you going to catch up to us? Like, when are you going to realize that there's so much more out there? Why are you still stuck in thinking that, you know, life has power over you and you don't, you know, you don't have control? We, when we grow in personal development and spirituality, we we evolve and we think that we're leaving people behind. But I guess where we start is with humility. And that's one of the most important virtues in any relationship. Humility, what I mean by humility is you go from a place of how dare my spouse do this to me and who does he think he is and what the heck and what's wrong with you? You need to learn a little, do a little personal development because you don't know anything to... I wonder why he feels that way. I wonder why he's reacting that way. What could I have triggered in him? What about me has contributed to him responding in this way, right? So I would, there are two virtues that I think are incredibly important in any fulfilling relationship. And those two are humility. And that's when you go from how they're he to I wonder what I, and that is very much linked to accountability. Accountability is when we assume responsibility for our part. And we always have something to do with how our person is responding and reacting to us. Always. Sometimes it's not something we did in the moment. Sometimes it's something we've been doing before that personal development season of our lives, right? And we get to be patient as we allow the other person to reconcile the changes in us that are no longer there and that's very frustrated and very very frustrating and very hard because we know we're different and oftentimes the people around us are still treating us as we were before right so this is a this is a lifelong journey it's an everlasting work in progress so where do we start we start with humility we start with putting ourselves in the other person's shoes we start with accepting the other person the way the other person is right now and we start with accountability, with assuming responsibility, with putting ourselves in the other person. The other person's shoes, I have to, to emphasize this, that's a thing that we say, but we don't necessarily understand what it truly means. Recently, my husband and I have this like pretty down packed, like we, we're good, we're pretty good, but, but we still have moments that I'm like, how does this happen at this stage of our relationship where we've done so much work? Recently, we had an argument. I don't even remember what it was about. But I, I, he was saying that I made him feel and react a certain way. And if there's something I believe in, in my life, wholeheartedly, is I can't make you do yeah. or feel anything, right? I, I stand for that. So I was like, nope, he did this to himself. This is me thinking to myself. He did this to himself. I can't make him feel that way. So he did it. He's just not assuming responsibility. And da, 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 da. And, and then I'm like, Betsy, put yourself in your sh his shoes. I'm like, yeah, but he's in the wrong shoes. Doesn't he know that I don't have the power to do that to him? He's wrong. So I'm operating from judgment, not humility. And it took me like two days, 48 hours. I live and breathe this that I do and I, that I stand for. And it still took me two whole days to realize that putting myself in his shoes meant 
thinking like he thinks and believing what he believes for one second so that I could understand that my actions really hurt him. Even though, even though I didn't intend to hurt him, even though it was the way he interpreted it, even though whatever I believe in, it still hurt him. And this is the person I love the most in the world and something I did hurt him. I need to assume responsibility for that. And that's hard. It's hard when you've also been offended. It's hard when you're like, but you did this and you one-upped me and you have something on him, right? So, and that's where humility comes in very handy. That's, that's what I mean. When I say humility, I don't mean, you know, go to Marshalls and Ross and, and don't spend so much money. I mean, put yourself in the other person's shoes, seek to understand and let the ego aside because the ego never has won the battle of relationships, right? Like it's never... It's never created fulfilling relationships. So that would be my starting point. I think it's really helpful. I think it's helpful to point out too that like a person who, and I I think this is, I really want people to hear this. A person who lives and breathes and teaches and coaches and has been doing this for however many years, it still took her two days. So it's going to take you guys some time. It's going to take me time. And we have to put our ego aside. I love that. And thank you for being vulnerable and saying like, even I, you know, it took me two days to get out of it. Like, yeah, I'm an extremely positive person. All the people, you know, follow me go, oh, you have a bad day. I'm like, yeah, I'm a human being doing human things. It's going to happen. But like, I think it's really helpful for you to say that, yeah, sometimes you, it took you even 48 hours to kind of come back to like, what is my responsibility in this? And how, how did I, you know, affect him and put yourself in his shoes. So thank you for, thank you for saying that. You know, what's beautiful, Christina, that when you do that, and you own that, you respond in ways that elevate your relationship. So when I finally realized, like, oh my gosh, like I, 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 I failed him. I was so apologetic and so genuinely sad that something I did hurt his feelings that he he felt that, right? Like I, I exude that, right? So, so then he feels it. And then at that point, he's apologizing for his part and how he reacted. And, and then, you know, what... What can start of like, you know, you know how we're constantly one up each other, like, no, because you didn't tit for tat, like you did it, well, you did it too. Then it becomes the opposite. Like, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, I am sorry. It's, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful when you, when you put your ego aside and you live to honor the other person, to make that other person happy. And I, I say this in a romantic way, right? Like we, we know that it's not your responsibility to make the other person happy. And, and the, that's a choice that the other person gets to make. But, but understanding that I live to elevate and make my husband happy. And I think that's the role of a marriage, right? Like you, we all know what's the role of a doctor to heal. What's the role of a teacher to teach? What's the role of a husband or a wife? I don't know. Right? Like it's, it's to elevate. It's to bring that person to, to him or her becoming a better version of him or herself. It's to bring them to heaven if you're, if you're a believer, right? And the best way to do that is by engaging in those two virtues first. And I have a lot more tips, but if you ha- I'm going to pause to see if you have any questions. If not, I'm going to go right ahead and give you a few tips that are going to help you do, do this. I, I want you to get the tips. One question I do have, because I think for me, it's so important. You know, the whole premise is decision, faith, and action of like everything that I teach is your 
like, did you have to make a decision in the beginning of your marriage that this is until like forever and ever, like there's no other option. My husband and I truly, I think, you know, we've been married only about 10, a little over 10 years, but we've been together like 19 years. But the minute we said we were in this, it is until like, and I truly believe like to my core, I have made the decision that this marriage is going to work. And no matter what, I'm going to figure it out. Do you think that you have to have that like, no matter what mentality in order to make a marriage work? Christina, I have a marriage workshop and our first session is called I Do is a Daily Promise. Yes. And founded on exactly what you said. We go to our wedding, we go on our wedding day and we everything's beautiful and the flowers and the dress and everything. And we don't even know what we're saying. When we say I do, we don't we don't necessarily think about that. But I do is a daily promise. It's a forever promise. And something I teach my couples is there are two things that you can do to, to, to be able to reconnect with the idea of eternity and forever. The first one is view your spouse as, as part of you, right? Like if we, if we have an accident, God forbid, and we lose our, our, our arm, and not, we don't lose our arm. We break our arm very, like very badly. And we go to the doctor and the doctor tells us, well, I can cut your arm and put a, 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 a prosthetic. Did I say it right? Yeah, no. prosthetic, prosthetic. Okay. If you, I can cut it and put a prosthetic and the, the it's going to be super quick. It's, it's cheaper. You don't need as much physical therapy. It's like, boom, boom, done, ready to go. Or... I can fix your own arm, but it's going to be super expensive. You're going to need a year or more of physical therapy. And it's, you know, it's going to be a very complicated surgery. But when it's done, you'll be stronger for it. Like you'll, your hand will be perfect. What would you choose? Would you get the prosthetic or would you get a loan and go through the trouble and the, all the therapy? Every single person I have asked that has told me, no, I would keep my arm. I want my arm. And if we think of our spouse as our arm, then we're willing to do whatever it takes to fix it, to repair it, to elevate it, to make it all better. No amount of therapy is too much for us to, to, to be able to save that, that part of ourselves. So that's one way that I use to, to remember that it's, it's divorce to me is not an option. It's not even a word in my vocabulary. Like never, like if, if it would have been, I would have, I would have been divorced a few times over in my marriage because we've had our seasons, but it's just not a possibility. And there's been times that I've asked myself like, okay, so either I live miserably, miserably for the rest of my life because divorce is not an option, or I humble myself, assume responsibility and do something about this. And the second thing that I use, my husband says that divorce is illegal. Like he really believes divorce is illegal. So if he gets divorced, he goes to jail and he really doesn't want to go to jail. So to stay away from prison, he always thinks like, okay, what do I need to do to stop this problem and fix it? Because I ain't going to go to jail. And, and I think those two ways of, of those two analogies help us view marriage as, as something that's forever. And, and it, if that's our North Star, then we get to make decisions every day where we say, I do 
take you as my beloved husband when you throw your underwear on the floor and the socks are all over the place and you didn't do the dishes and you were super loud in the morning when I was still sleeping and until death do us apart, right? Like you get to you get to reassure th- that it within you and to remember that it's a decision. It's a decision. But I will say, if somebody listening to us right now hasn't gotten married yet, be mindful about who you choose. Because what happens is that oftentimes there's a problem from the beginning. It was the next step. It was the phase of our lives. We were ready to get married. And we don't necessarily choose the person we want to spend the rest of our lives. And that makes it really hard to view that person as part of us, view divorce as illegal, and be humble and accountable. It's, it's, it makes, it's excruciating. Those two virtues are hard when you find the right person. They're hard because it's, it goes against our human nature. We're, we're, we're wired to, to seek to be understood. What I'm talking about is uh-uh-uh, start with seeking to understand. Start with the other person. Start with humility, with that kind of... That's, that's, that's not normal in a human being, so it's hard. If you choose the... I'm not going to say the wrong person, but if you're not mindful about choosing the person, then it becomes even harder. It's torturous. Right. And it feels impossible. It feels impossible. totally. So what, and I, to, I totally agree with that. I, I, I'm nodding, you know, I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. To all the things. But what if right now you're in a relationship? Cause this is what I find all the time. And I'm sure you do as well. And obviously like, I'm not a relationship coach or anything like that, but like, what about the relationships and the marriages that people are in right now where one person believes that and the other person is not on board? Like, what about that? Like, what do you do then? Because I have had that time and time again where people say, you know, I'm all in and I'm on board and I'll do whatever it takes. And then the other person is either checked out, doesn't care, is perhaps staying because they should or they just don't want to leave or they don't want to do the work. And you're, quote unquote, trapped in this situation. Like, what do you what do you do then? What are your tips for that? When that happens. We go back to humility and accountability. When that happens, I ask myself, what, why is he checked out? Why, what has brought him here? What about, and then you assume responsibility, what about me has to do with this? And I believe that the best way to, to bring the person to your side is through modeling and, and showing him or her what what has worked for you and how you've been transformed. I do a lot of couples therapy with one person. And those are those are probably my favorite because they're so powerful and they're so hard that when you push through, it just, it feels incredible, right? Like it's, it's very empowering. And the way we do that is, I actually want to recommend a book that I've, that I've used with my clients. It's called The Love Dare. And that's a 40-day challenge during which one person is doing all the work. There's, it's, there's 40 days and it's a Christian book. It gives you like a little reflection of whatever they're talking about that day. And then it gives you a challenge, something that you have to do with your partner. And when you're doing all that work for 40 days plus, I've had clients who've done it 80 days. They've done it twice. 
when you're doing that, the other person is watching. And we are, we, we're human beings who are trained to react and respond to our environment. So if, just think about this. If you, if you go to work and you tell your coworker, you're, you're in a really bad mood, you're sad, upset, angry, like all the, all the, all the feels. And you go in there and somebody says, good morning, Christina, you're looking gorgeous today. I'm so happy to see you. Are you going to tell that person to F off? No, probably not, right? Because it doesn't go. So if if you're like you're, like you want to tell the world that, but somebody comes and is kind to you, at the very least, you're gonna nod or look at them or you know maybe smile, but you're most likely not gonna you know insult them. The same is true in a relationship. If we're being so loving and so kind and so humble and so accountable that we leave the other person, we disarm the other person. The other person can no longer respond to us the way he was because we're not acting the same way. At the beginning, yes, because they're going to read into everything we do and there's an ulterior motive and let's see how long it's going to last. And, you know, there's there's that part of, of not believing. There's that part of unbelief because they don't know what we're working on and where we're coming from necessarily. But when... Just how negative things are contagious. Positive energy and love is contagious and joy is contagious. So if you embody those things in your relationship, it typically is a matter of time before they jump in and they accompany you in your journey. And it doesn't have to be the same route that you took because we think, well, the way I learned all this is by taking the online courses and doing therapy and doing coaching and well, my husband has never done therapy or coaching in his life. And and he is not, I'm, I'm more woo-woo and I believe in everything and signs and faith and everything works for me. He's more skeptical. He's a numbers guy. He's rational. He, but, but can I tell you that he has this incredible wisdom and that's taken me years, a doctorate in, in psychology, years of reading, learning, personal development. I'm like, like, I had to study so much to get there. And it just, he just went for a run and came back and got it, had it all down, down packed, right? So going back to how we started this conversation, let's remember that what we know doesn't make us better than other people. And our, our more elevated state may seem like like it's better but sometimes other people must stay in a in where we were at and that doesn't mean that we're they're inferior or they don't don't have the wisdom we have it just it's just presented differently and again that comes with with humility and acceptance Hey, y'all, it's Christina. I just wanted to jump in here real quick. On a recent podcast, I mentioned that I have been on over 100 free discovery calls over the last year, and I want to do the exact same thing in 2022. People often wonder, well, what do I get out of these calls? Men and women from around the world who are jumping on these calls are walking away from the calls with more clarity, figuring out the mindset block that's stopping them from feeling really confident to make more money, feel fulfilled, and know what next step they have to take in order to decide it's their turn. So if you've ever thought about jumping on one of these calls, I would absolutely love to talk to you. So feel free to send me a text at 501 501- 
222-3362. Text me the word call and we can book one of those calls or head over to the show notes and you've got a link to my website where you can book a free discovery call with me. And I, I want to pause again for questions, but I, I want to I share an acronym that I use with my clients because I think it's extremely powerful. No, please go ahead. I, I mean, I, I, yes, talk all the things. Just everyone's loving this. I okay, am going to interrupt ahead. me if anything. Okay, so I because I've, I've been doing this work for twenty years, and I felt compelled to research and understand more deeply the commonalities of how people interact, relate, and communicate, especially in couples' relationship. But it it's a, it applies to work relationships, home relationships, all sorts of relationships. And it's called FUSE. And I chose FUSE because we tend to have a short FUSE, especially in our marriages, when people take us off or they trigger us. And, and, and you know, it's hard to contain that. So FUSE is also an acronym. And it stands for Filter, Unconscious Triggers, Style, and Expectations. We all have a filter. Imagine the AC filter. The, the air flows through the filter. It leaves the impurities there so that it can come out on the other side clean. We all have a filter through which we interpret information. Anything that happens in our surroundings, in our environment, or even something we think or feel inside of us goes through that filter. It's supposed to leave the contamination there, all our prejudices, our biases, or the things that, that don't have anything to do with that message, right? Like it's supposed to go through there, clean it, and then come out on the other side clearly so that the person we're communicating with or the person that's communicating with us can, can experience the, the, the correct message, right? Like the message that was intended to be conveyed. What happens is that we don't even know we have a filter, so we don't clean it or, you know, maintain it. You know, when there's construction in our house, we go to the filter and we clean it because what happens is the filter is too dirty. Whenever the message or the air, the AC filter, goes through it, instead of leaving the impurities and coming out clean on the other side, what it's going to do, it's, it's going to pick up on the, on the dust and the, the debris that's stuck in the filter and it's going to come out dirtier. Well, the same is true for the messages that we oftentimes receive from our spouses and people around us. They say something, we understand something completely different because it took on all the prejudices, biases, experiences of the past, our history together, my ex-boyfriend cheating on me, my mom not, not paying attention to me. It, it picks up on all our, all our contamination and then we get triggered, we respond to something else. I can't tell you, Christina, how many times I've had couples that I'm like, are these people having the same conversation? I'm like, so, I'm like what, what, did you, what do you think she just said? And what, what did you hear him say? I constantly ask because what they're responding has absolutely nothing to do with what the other person said. It's incredible. And we laugh, but this is the story of our lives. We have a filter and that filter, I don't say, you know, substitute or cleaner I don't say I don't, I'm sorry I don't say to to change the filter because I think in our filter we have values right like part of the contamination that's in there is is values that we want to hold on to and live by so I suggest clean the filter mindfully 
look at look within and pay attention to okay i tend to feel this way i tend to think this way this is a value i have this is a tendency i have in the way that i interpret and view life i'm very positive but oh, but you know what i tend to be negative in this aspect and when you pay attention to that you at least have the awareness to know that that's there and if at any point you're triggered by a message you are you have the ability to reflect and think well is this related to this thing that I know I have in my filter? Yes, oh wait, then there's a possibility that I misinterpreted. Then let me ask questions to clarify and to paraphrase and to be able to be, to be certain that what I understood is what the other person meant to convey. So when, so the first one is filter, we get to pay attention, we get to clean our filter and we decide what we're going to keep in there and what we're going to remove. The second is unconscious triggers. Unconscious means that we're unaware of them. And triggers are those intense vulnerabilities or buttons that when people push them, we explode, right? Like, that's why we hear like, oh, you triggered me. You were triggered. Typically, triggers are developed through life by experiences we've had in our childhood with our family of origin that have then continued to be reinforced with other experiences in life. And for example, I will say, if you, I usually try to think about one trigger, right? Because typically it's everything else comes from that, from that one. So I've learned that there's like two main kinds of triggers. The first one is that I'm not good enough kind of you know, umbrella trigger, if you will. The I'm not good enough trigger suggests that we feel that other people, that what other people say or do or trigger us suggests that we're not good enough and nothing that we do is good enough or good enough and we can't make it. And, and this is when I hear this all the time in my in my relationships where the husband will say like, no, you know what? She told me that she wanted me to communicate more and talk to her more. So the entire way from work to home, I was thinking like, okay, what am I going to share about today? What, I'm gonna, what am I going to ask her to make sure that I, you know, I, I have conversations and I open up and I talk to her. And then when he gets there, he does all the homework. And, but, but while, she, while he's talking to her, he is caressing the, the dog and she just cleaned the entire house and the dog is shedding hair. And she's like, what the heck? Don't you care? Don't you care that I just spent the entire day cleaning? And, and here you are throwing the hairs all over. And he's feeling like, my gosh, I can't get anything right. I try to improve communication. I'm mindful of it. I try. And no matter what I do. like So then he's triggered by it. But then we realize that she was triggered by the opposite or not the opposite, like the other umbrella trigger that I've I've explored and I've realized we, we tend to have. And that other trigger is that I don't matter trigger. And when she she has a newborn, it's really hard to clean the house when you have a baby. She's cleaning all over the place. She's, you know, she's spending all this time. She's exhausted. He comes home. She doesn't know he's thinking that you know, he wants to communicate better and he's honoring her. Instead, she's focusing and seeing only that there's hairs of the dogs going all over the place after she cleaned. And that's because I don't matter. And the time that I spent cleaning doesn't matter to you. And work is more important. And you caressing the stupid dog is more important, right? And, and then war happens from triggers. But really, like, was, was there enough 
wrongdoing to to support the reaction of one or the other. Not really, but we are triggered and we react as if it was the end of the world. So you know you've been triggered if you have an intense emotional reaction that you just can't get over of no matter how hard you try and the other people are looking at you like you're crazy and you're exaggerating and the crime doesn't fit the punishment. That's how you know you typically were triggered. 110%. You know, it's actually funny. Even in business, when I'm helping someone with, is it like a mindset thing or a strategy thing? And I oftentimes refer to it as like, is there an emotional trigger behind it? Because usually it's a mindset thing when there's an emotional trigger. And if it's just strategy, it's usually like, nope, these are the numbers. This is what we're doing. And there's no emotional trigger behind it. So I love that you said that. But, you know, all of this can actually come into play when it comes to like, not only just, uh, you know, spousal relationships or romantic relationships. I'm just thinking about all of these things in family relationships, in friendships. I mean, there's just so much behind this and you're just bang on. So F U. What is the S and the E? <laughs> That's how you feel like telling people sometimes. Exactly. The F and the U we got. What's the S and the E? Okay. S stands for style. Style is the way in which you feel comfortable communicating, interacting with the other person. If you've heard about the five love languages, that falls into style. I love that. Yeah. So you, it's the way you feel most connected through communication, love interactions, everything. And the reason this is important is because if we learned what our style is, we're able to educate the people around us on how we prefer to communicate and how what how they're going to be able to access the best version of ourselves, right? Like in which way. And this includes people who prefer to speak in the moment and solve the problem right now and, you know, right here. This includes people who, who'd rather like cool down, go for a walk, think about it, reflect on it. It has a lot to do with our preferences in terms of like being introverted or extroverted. And styles may further hinder or support relationships and communications. And I'll give you an example of that. I have a couple who the, the wife, her main trigger is the I don't matter. She she has this sense of abandonment. Her her dad left and never showed up when he got a divorce from the mom. And, and she has this feeling of abandonment. So whenever her husband leaves, she feels abandoned and left behind. And 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 another way, another style is she processes externally. So she has to like speak it about speak about it and scream about it and curse about it to calm down. So that's her style. The husband has uh, is that diagnosed with Asperger's and he's more of an introvert and it's hard for him to process and manage emotions. So he takes his time to like connect with himself, to cool down, to process before he's able to put into words what he feels and how he thinks and, and get you know his thoughts organized. So the other day, she they were they got into an argument. She starts screaming and saying all sorts of things and offending him, and and that's that's how she she externalizes it. And once she's done all that, she's good. She's good to go. She already got it all out, and you know she's fine. But he's super hurt because she was very offensive in the way she spoke to him. And at this point, in order to honor his wife. 
he decides he's going to go for a walk with the baby in the stroller and he's going to process and think about it so that he doesn't scream something at her that he's going to regret afterwards. So he goes for a walk. She's infuriated because he left her. And how could you do this? And then when he comes back and he's already, you know, he's ready to speak with with peace and he's already ready to share what, what he has in in mind and what he's processed, then the second round of screaming comes up because now the problem is not what it was originally. Now the problem is that he left. So this is, and then all these terms are like, are woven in together. If you think about it, she filtered the information as abandonment. The abandonment, I don't matter, triggered her. The emotions made her act in, in the way that she's familiar with her style. And then it just self-perpetuates. So becoming aware of your style and sharing that with your partner and becoming aware of your partner's style and also coming to to terms with what are we going to do? I like to speak in the moment. You like to take some time. So what's the max amount of time that we're going to leave in between arguments or right? Like, are we going to allow for a whole day to go by? Am I going to give you an hour or two? Like you can, you can agree on that and you can determine what's going to, what's going to serve your relationship the most. So that's style, to be mindful of that. And then E stands for expectations. And what this means is that we tend to, a lot of our, our struggles and our challenges in the relationships are not really something the other person did as much as an unmet expectation. So give you an example. I had a, uh, a woman come to me recently and, and she's like, you know, my husband, he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that. And he he's not loving and affectionate and he doesn't take, you know, we don't go on dates. And one day I, I was being recognized at work and they called me to give me an award and he didn't even, he didn't even say anything. And then when somebody asked him like, wow, your wife is amazing. He just nodded where, you know, instead of saying, you know, yeah, she is unbelievable and I'm so proud of her. And she told me all the things that he did not do, which were the reason why they were failing. And I, after she was done, I'm like, so what did he do? No, I'm telling you that he didn't do this and he didn't do that. And he's not like this. And he went to McDonald's and he didn't get me McDonald's food. He just got for himself. And, and I'm like, wait, didn't you say you were on a diet? And she's like, yeah, but if it would have been me, I would have done this. I would have asked if he wanted something for you in a diet and you don't like McDonald's. Right. And, and oftentimes we believe that the other person is supposed to be the way we would be. But for that, you should have married yourself, right? But we, we, we do it all the time. I do it all the time. I would have offered this. I would have done that. But that's you, right? And if you have that expectation, then you need to communicate clearly with him. Recently, again, I went through this recently with, with my husband. I, we, were, we were out of town and we were going to leave that day. And he wanted to go to the gym in the morning. And I said, baby, I need you to come home early so that you can help me pack and put the bags in the cart because we need to leave by by 9.30. And he's like, okay. And I, and I remember waking up that morning and I'm like, you got to communicate clearly. So I said, baby, I need you to come home early. Early in my mind meant at least half an hour before. Early in his mind meant 9.27. We're leaving at 9.30 because he thinks he has three minutes is enough to put the bags in the car. So I thought I, I went out of my way to mindfully communicate that I needed him earlier, but I failed to give him the time 
and that was my bad. I didn't communicate clearly, so the expectation was set, wasn't set correctly. He heard early. He got there at 927. That's early for him. For me, it's super late. So <laughs> expectations are to be either shared and clearly stated so that you can set the person up for success or you're going to have to assume responsibility. And it's so hard <laughs> because that, that day, I, it, it, took me, it took me a whole day that day to, to realize it was my bad because I even woke up ahead of time to tell him. I was so mindful about it, but I still failed. And, and we will. We will continue to fail, but we learn from that. And next time, I will tell him the exact time with seconds and all, right? Because we, the idea of these experiences is to become better, stronger, and, and, more, and wiser in our relationships. Always ask yourself, is this something that this person really did to me? Or is it something that he didn't do that I wanted him to do? That's a great tip. I love that, talking about, like, what are the true expectations? Because we all do it, you know? like. Every single one of us do it all day long. We expect someone to do something, but if we don't communicate it clearly and, and in your brain, you're just like, I told you early, but in his brain, he's like, I am early. I mean, this has happened time and time again. And I love what you're talking about in regards to like the communication styles, you know, Nathan and I grew up completely different. And I know everyone, obviously, when you get married, you bring in two different backgrounds, you bring in two different ways of communication, and you bring in two different family dynamics and all the things. And I was the person who was so like, his family, you'll never know that there was a bad day, everything goes under the rug, he never does he, like that was kind of his deal. Mine was like, let's yell, let's get it over with. Well, my gosh, when we started, you know, arguing like which is you know fresh into a relationship I mean everything blew up all the time we really had to learn that I have a question though like what if your communication styles are just so different like going to the like true love languages because obviously you know I'm familiar with love languages mine is no question about it quality time but what if someone their love language is like let's say it's quality time and that other person has zero desire to spend any quality time with you what do you do there? Like, like I, I'm thinking specifically about um, a friend I have who she has been working on herself for such a long period of time. You know that she's in a completely different space. Her husband just does not spend any time with her because they work together. And he says, I spend time with you all the time. And I don't want to spend time with you when it's my quote unquote off time. What do you do in that type of situation? I love that love languages are called love languages because the way I see it is if I feel loved in Spanish and my husband feels loved in English and I only speak Spanish and he only speaks English, then what are, what are we going to do, right? Like if he wants to love me, then he has to learn English. And if I want him to love me the way I feel loved, it is my responsibility to teach him Spanish. Right. So again, we go back to accountability. I believe that responsibility equals power. So, and I'm, I love power. I love having the power to, to change my reality. So I love to assume responsibility. And there's an analogy that I absolutely love. And I look, I've used it a lot with my clients. There was this, this, um, there was this friend of mine growing up who was an incredible salsa dancer. I love salsa dancing. And I remember, I went to visit, he lived in Maryland, I lived in Puerto Rico. I went to visit and I was, he, we were dancing and he was really good and he did all these turns and, 
And I, I wasn't as good with all those cool turns. So I made a lot of mistakes and I kept on tripping and getting confused. And, and I, I kept on saying, sorry, sorry, excuse me, my bad. I'm sorry, sorry. Until he said, stop. Don't say sorry one more time. If you are not following well, it's because I didn't lead you right. And at that moment, I was like, I can get used to that. <laughs> you didn't lead me well. But now I think back to those moments and I was like, wow, how much wisdom. I, if I am not leading my husband right in, my, in our dance, then I need to find ways of conveying th this, this message that I'm trying him to get in ways that he can understand it. So maybe there's an opportunity for her to create off time that feels fun and 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 re-energizing to him and like that feels like off time but if if at home she feels she still feels like the boss and the control freak and the you know like you do this and xyz and this is the order and and like a robot then then she's not gonna attract him and and she's not gonna ooze him like ooze this attraction for him to want to join in but if she creates the quality time outside of work in a way that is irresistible then eventually he'll join in right but but we we get to be mindful and wise about it about creating those moments if that's one thing and the other thing is we we don't we don't need the other person to do something for us to be happy and understanding that also frees you from the need as opposed to the want and relieves the pressure from the other person because many times the pressure that the other person feels of knowing English perfectly the way you need them to love you in English as opposed to like you know making mistakes and saying wrong like the word in the in the wrong um, the wrong way is that's that's a lot of pressure but if suddenly you remove that the other person will naturally be drawn to you so oprah has this quote in her in her first book what i what i know for sure that says i don't remember the exact words so excuse me if i say it wrong but the, the message is the creator has given you full responsibility for your life And with that responsibility comes the privilege of giving yourself everything you've ever wanted and needed as a child. You are your best, the one best mom, dad, sibling, friend, husband, wife you've ever had. I love that quote because it reminds us that we can be the mom. That's why we reparent ourselves when we have trauma from childhood. We can be the best mom to ourselves that that we, we could ever dream of. We can be the best spouse. And when you do that for yourself, since you don't have that need, since you're not depending on the other person, you remove the pressure and the other person is, is drawn to you. It also happens because you're, you're giving yourself the thing that you want him to give you. And since you're treating yourself that way, you're modeling for him how you ought to be treated And then it becomes like a boundary. Like there's, you can't treat me any other way. And then you attract that person to you. But we always have 
power and responsibility. And and I I believe this wholeheartedly. I, I will tell you, Christina, I used to believe that this could not fail. This this just could not fail, right? Like this was like the perfect recipe. If God Himself came and did therapy on a couple and you know, uses humility and accountability and all like, it's all based on his principles too. If you think about it, I was like, this is not going to fail. But I have learned, fortunately or unfortunately in my experience, that sometimes after you do all that, the other person still doesn't meet you where you're at, still doesn't rise up to you. And that's when decisions that we hoped we would never make in our lives and that are not aligned with treating our spouse as part of our, our, our bodies uh, get to come in, right? I, I remember one time I had two couples at the same time that were doing incredible, two couples, no, I'm sorry, two individuals who were doing couples therapy and they were, they were like incredible. The work that they did and the humility and the accountability and the, it was, it was, it was incredible. I, I was in awe of them and their spouses were like in this dark place and they, they wouldn't join in. And I'm like, God, throw us a bone. <laughs> like, what else can this person do? And I, I had like a little revelation during that time. And like, it was like a, a moment in my career that I'll never forget where I, I learned that sometimes what God wants for you is not what church says is right or what you thought was your destiny. And you know, we get to pray on it, meditate on it, make sure that we're discerning correctly and, and just trust. So if, if you've done all of this and, and you really have given it your all, Know that you have peace moving away because there's nothing left. There was not. There's there was no stone left unturned, and 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 we get to to leave with the peace and the certainty that it wasn't because of our, our it was it wasn't because we didn't do enough or we didn't push through. Yeah, I love that because I do know a lot of people who have peacefully ended their relationships and, you know, obviously no judgment on either side. I mean, you have to do what you believe is best, but I do think for myself personally, I would go to no stone left unturned, but I would also have the trust that if I felt so at peace with the decision I had to make, then I would make that decision because life is too short to be to be miserable if that is the, the situation that you're in. And obviously every circumstance is different, but I love that. And I think it's so, I think the number one thing that you said that really hit me is that you have to take responsibility for yourself and you have to take responsibility for your own expectations and what is your role in the situation. And that is a tip for commu communicating in any relationship, not even just your, your romantic relationships. I know that so many people are going to get so much out of this. So if someone is curious about your marriage workshops, about your therapy, your couples therapy, individual therapy, what does that look like? Where can someone get a hold of you? Um, I want everyone to know all the things. Betterwithbetsy.com and my Instagram and Facebook are the same, Betterwithbetsy. 
Christina, before I before I end before we end, I also want to say that this this is for the majority of people, but if if someone who's listening is in an abusive relationship totally. or yeah, if 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 you feel in your heart and in your intuition that this doesn't apply to you because where you're at is just not healthy and it's not what God would want for you. I, I want you to understand that, you know, you get to listen to that above what I just said. Right? Like we, we have the answers within. And while this applies to most couples, there are certain times in which you don't, you don't go there because you're, you're not safe in a relationship for you where you're being supported. Right. And, and we get to honor that. I, I just wanted to say that because I, anybody, right. Could be listening to this and I don't want the person to get the wrong message. I totally agree with you 110%. But I think that that's, you know, that's even when I say in my coaching all the time is that like, I don't have all the answers. You have the answers inside of you. Betsy does not have every marriage answer. The answer is inside of you. But sometimes you do need the guidance. Sometimes you do need the proof that it is possible. But also too, exactly what you said, you know, inside what is the best thing for you. God has given you all of the things that you need and your responsibility is to listen to those. And so um, whether it, this today was for relationships, for family, for friendships, even just for yourself. I just know even listening today, like, you know, when I blow up at certain things, I, I definitely have to step back and think about like, what is my responsibility in this? And I definitely a hundred percent know where my trigger is. You know, the worthiness is definitely, definitely one of my biggest triggers for sure. And I can see myself, you know, even thinking about like, what is the emotional attachment? Can someone say something and I blow the heck right up? Well, obviously what is my emotional attachment to that? So I know so many people are going to get a lot out of it. You guys, if you are interested in any of those workshops, or if you are interested in how to work more with Betsy and worst case scenario, just follow her, follow her on social media. I love following along with you. Check out the website, betterwithbetsy.com. If you didn't listen to episode 68, where Betsy talked about overcoming adversity and, um, you know, the beautiful gift that she has given us by sharing her experience with her daughter, I would encourage you to listen to that. I love today. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your time with us again. Thank you. It was a pleasure being with you. Thank you all so much for joining me on today's episode of the Decide It's Your Turn podcast. If today's episode resonated with you at all, please share it with a friend. Also, head on over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review and a comment. What is it that you want us to talk about that will help you realize that at any moment and any day, you too can decide it's your turn. I'm Christina LeCure. I'll see you next time.